0: I
1: think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. So if we can kind of get to how her cancer journey ended, do you recall why you, we were at the hospital or at LA to begin with or what sent her there that final time?
2: Because she had finished the plan that she was on the roadmap. She had finished it. And then we just started going back down that road again of her.
1: It coming back, funny. right? Yeah. It was- so she
2: started tripping again. She started losing her coordination again. And so we took her back to the hospital, of course, and they did scans again. And they said that it was back. In her spine? In her spine.
1: And further up. Mm hmm. Because it started at the bottom and I think made
2: its way up the
1: canal. And we were afraid
2: that that pressure of the tumor on her spine was making it so that her, she couldn't,
1: her lower extremities were losing function. Right. Yeah. So this is where it gets super heavy and I'm probably going to cry a ton and everybody's going to cry a ton. So if you're not ready for this, I would say pause or fast forward or do what you need to do. But we're going to go into the heavy stuff right now. So fair warning. But I recall that fateful day, it was Christmas Eve of all days, 2014, and we were all at the hospital, but I guess that the doctors had talked to Jess before speaking with the family. So let me back up just a little bit. We had talked about palliative care before this time, and I want to say that mom and I would go back and forth constantly via calls and text messages about what the fuck palliative care even what fucking means that, like does this mean it's the end is it does this mean that she's just going is, into hospice never care for heard long of term care. me neither never heard of it me neither but anytime we looked it up we'd get conflicting information yes. so does palliative mean it's the end what is palliative and i think you and i were both on super edge going back and forth like what does this because mean what does places, this mean is somebody not telling us something right. what does this actually fucking mean
0: because i sort of find some stuff that said palliative slash hospice yes. and we know what hospice means we hadn't heard palliative and basically the way I understand it it's just not doing the conventional western medicine oh basically, I still don't understand finding a different mode but I think as soon as I saw hospice
1: I didn't know I and for afraid. me when I w- I know Jess wants to interrupt really quickly <laughs> but for hospice to me I still thought that could be long term Oh. I thought that could be like a live-in, that, oh. that she would need constant care, you know, because it was in her back and because her lower extremities were sort of becoming non-functional. So I wasn't entirely certain, like, and I needed a yes or no. I needed you to tell me, was this the end or not? And we'll get into that feeling in a little bit later. So just go ahead and say what you want to say.
2: Yeah, For well, from now, I think initially without being in the medical field at all, you don't know what is what up or down so palliative hospice it all seems like the same thing now with everything that we've done i've come to the understanding that what palliative is is more for chronic long term not non-terminal that where you need you know just a higher level of um, comfort care because of your disease process and because of the chronic sort of way that it's working is that you need more care especially you know to control mostly uh, like pain comfort yeah rise. exactly um and then hospice is you know you're still addressing pain but the end uh result is within the six months your outlook is that you're not going to survive well was and that's supposed that. to be what the difference is but mm. i think oftentimes people end up using it interchangeably mm. it can well
1: no wonder confusing. i was so fucking confused yeah
2: yeah <laughs> But nobody
0: said that, though. No. They didn't say hospice. They no. didn't say, hey, this is where we're at now. They just said palliative, palliative. We're going to do palliative. You're going to talk to like a palliative like the, person. Oh. Okay.
2: Well, and I think the reality of, is, of it as well is that when she was put on palliative care, she was also given six months to live. Right. So she was on but that like
1: that registered later for me. Yeah. They that didn't. yeah, right away when they said palliative, there was gonna do there some palliative like intervention. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, this is another step in that roadmap right. of her not continuing to live was still not on my radar right. at that time. It was just this is how we're addressing these circumstances now that it's gone into her spine and this is what it is. But this was just another part of the roadmap. This wasn't like oh, we're coming to the end of that roadmap. Mm-hmm. It was This is the current situation, the present, right, that we speak to. The present, this is what we're doing now. So that didn't register right away. Right. I mean, did it for you?
2: For me, it did. But that's because Mm. for me, personally, it had hit me harder when she had her second surgery. Because Mm -hmm. I was expecting for her to survive, they have to get all of it out. And then she's going to get better and be done this time. You know, and when they explained to me after the second surgery that they got out as much as they could. Yeah, it wasn't all of it. To me, that meant it's not all out. She's, if she still got it in there, and it didn't get rid of it the first round with right. chemo and right. radiation and yeah. everything that she did, I mean, hope was there, but the reality of it was different.
1: So when did Allie have come talk to you?
2: For us, when it had came back the third time,
1: mm-hmm.
2: essentially, for me, I already recognized, you know, this is not going to end well. I don't know when it's not going to end well. Right. I just know it's not going to end well. But after her third, the third time that it came back, The doctor had given us a number. I can't remember what the number was. I just remember it was really low, like her chances of survival. And it was really low. Mm. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't have the words. I don't have the strength. I don't have the heart to tell this to my family. You know, it's breaking me. And I don't know how to not break them. You know, I don't want to break them. But they need to know. And so, of course, my bright idea was like, can you tell them? (laughs) That was also a
1: mistake. (laughs) No.
2: Because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know. Yeah. And I understand what it is that you're telling me. And even though I don't want to hear it, I can't. It was immensely heavy for me. And I wasn't in a place where I could.
1: I think that's saying it lightly, too. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: I couldn't relay the message. I wasn't going to be able to do it well. (laughs) Anyway, without breaking down. And so I was like here you go, can you, can you take over this responsibility for me? And unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, fortunately for me, I have a big family, but unfortunately for them, they had to break the news to a big family.
0: <laughs> they had no idea what they were, were getting into. We're not nice. <laughs> we can we're nice. No, we can be nice, but don't, like, Pick on my family at yeah, this point—that's point, that's who I was angry you at. You guys really
1: don't understand. Our no. listeners have no idea how strong our family is, and I'm not saying like a strength of our individual, but our strength together. Like, sure. if one of if somebody fucks with the family, it's probably going to be a bad day, right? Like, yes. it's just you really don't understand. How you hurting one of our family affects right. all of us. Right, because
2: you think you're just getting one enemy uh-huh. and then you suddenly have like 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all
1: showing
0: up at
2: your door <laughs> like,
1: hello, I'm sorry, what was that?
2: <laughs> the thing of it is this my
0: family is just my three kids. And then when I got married the second time, then I have the two step kids and my husband. But we're not talking about just this family. We're talking to my mother my Extension. brothers, my mm-hmm. sisters, everybody. All the cousins everybody was there yeah so when we talk about family we're talking about our huge families So yeah. these, these poor folks that i think at now the poor things that they had to be the ones to tell us all it's amazing and i've heard that many times that they would say it's amazing the support that's here for them.
1: Yeah, because whether or not they liked it, we were going to be in that waiting room. Yeah, we were going to take it we all took up. It like, over.
2: like we, yeah, we, we took, took over some it of those. Yeah, up. we did. There were so bad many now times for the other mm-hmm. patients' families because we were squished. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: but we didn't mind it because we were family. <laughs> yes,
1: because we had gone through so many surgeries and been in the hospital so many times, we've sort of learned how to cope through the waiting period. Like we had. The family bring puzzles to keep our oh, brain yeah. busy. We My have things to keep bringing,
0: us. Uh huh. And I don't even know how she had all that experience to know to bring that. She, she so helped, helped us start knitting. knitting yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's just crazy the idea, and I and I'm thinking, who the hell has time to knit? Right. And there I am. You there know, you good go. Good she brought. I don't yep. know how many the knitting needles she brought, and we're all doing it because you're sitting there, you're trying to keep your mind focused on that so that you're so not hard to do. just yep. thinking about how long this is taking yeah they tell us maybe they told us eight hours at eight hours and one minute we're looking all, down the hallway yes yep. and and it took longer than that i don't know if it was hours or if it was an hour it just felt like what the fuck is taking so long yeah. and why doesn't somebody just come
2: out and tell us right. what's happening? a check-in and, something yes yeah
0: and it's just, it's the most difficult <laughs> As the doctor's thing.
2: working inside of her spine, hey guys, let's yeah. go talk to yeah. family. Your, your no. family family's important. Yeah, you know?
0: somebody could have come out and said something. No. But, but that but that's just describes
1: to our listeners, you know, the strength of our family and how close and that's amazing. It's
0: amazing. Ridiculously to have that close support, we are. Yes. Because we couldn't do it all. We tried as much as we can to handle as much as we could. But there were times that, like, Jessica needed something, the baby needed something. But if she needed like, you know, because you don't think about it. You're in the hospital. You know what? Deodorant. I got yes deodorant. You know what I need? Thand a mirror. Off. I need mm-hmm. tweezers. I need oatmeal. Yeah, <laughs> Ooit meal. Ooit meal. <laughs> There was so many things that you just don't think about until you're in the hospital, and you go, God dang it! And there's no way that she's gonna leave her daughter's side. right, None. Right. No way. So, so we were at her back and call, and I think yes. she knew
1: that. Um, we were. It didn't matter. No. Like, we would drop anything, yes. everything and anything, to I get hope, her what she needed.
2: I hope but you guys don't feel like I took advantage. No.
1: 100% <laughs> I did.
0: But many times my sister... I'm kidding. My sister would come in, and she, one time she came in, and she had a, a luggage full of just stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was going to just leave to get her. And she had a mirror in there. She had a brush in there. She had all kinds of things inside the bag that we thought... Oh my gosh, thank goodness somebody. I don't know how she had that experience to do that though.
1: Yeah, it was remarkable because um it didn't matter what you needed. I felt like I wanted it was my portion. It was my way to help. My way to do something cuz this was so completely out of right. my control. There was nothing I can do to change the outcome to change her situation, but if I could make it a little bit easier on you to get through what you're going through, then that was my end goal. So I would you know, bring whatever needed to bring, buy whatever I needed to bring. I didn't right. care at the moment. Like if I didn't have the funds, whatever, I'd fucking find a way. Just get her what she needed to do because to me that was my way of helping, my, my way of helping cure her mm-hmm. or my way of contributing to her, you know, getting better. So it didn't matter what it was. It, it really didn't. And no, I didn't feel taken advantage of. I felt better knowing that you can yes. ask me yes. for something yes. and yes. I could do it and I could provide that. If I didn't, then I'd feel worse. If you didn't ask me, I would probably have felt worse. Yes. But. I enjoyed the fact that you could ask me for it and I could bring it to you. I felt better being able to contribute whatever I could contribute It's to
0: hard, I think, to be that person. I think sometimes you're so overwhelmed, you don't even know what you need or want. And when you finally figured, oh my gosh, I forgot my toothbrush, it was like, okay, you, got- you can help.
1: Fog. We can do this. Yeah. We got this. We right. got this. We'll right. get it
0: for you. We don't care what we have to do. We'll get it. And to be honest, there's grocery stores. There's a Target. It doesn't matter. Any, and Coles is the other place yeah. I remember. Any city, you're going to find that. Right. And we found them. We found all of those places. So we didn't even have to go that far. It's just, you know, getting out, coming right back and trying to find another parking spot. But it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't. But like I said, I think in the beginning, when if you're in the middle of this, You just don't know
2: what you're missing. You don't know until, like, oh, shit, I haven't brushed my teeth in a week or something. It's not just, like, that you're missing something. Because, of course, I could go, okay, I'm going to go down, jump into the car or the parking lot, go grab it, come back. But the reality was, when I walked out of the room and a nurse walked into the room, you know. Your daughter would. Freeze. Yeah, because she would. She wasn't sure if they were coming in to poke her, if they were coming oh, yeah. in to bring yeah, food, stress, if they were coming in to her take out. her for another surgery. Yep. Right, she had no idea because of the way that you know the medical system works. Sometimes things just go; they go fast, and you don't get a whole lot of you know time to deal. Right, and so that helped me because it helped her. Right, right. that because was she didn't have uh, to worry about, and I knew
1: that. i knew that it was whatever i was doing was essentially helping her well i got some pleasure in helping you too god my eyes rolled (laughs) but it was it was really ultimately because i knew it would benefit her and that was the one way i thought i could help in all this i can't fight cancer for her i can't take it myself and we've had those conversations too we're gonna cut our hair we cut (laughs) our hair it was like hey if it was me i forget there was a text message between the three of us and it was like you know if I could take this for her, I would. And then you, one of us was like, no, I would. And the other one was like, no, not before me, right? We were all in this 100% with her to help her through this. So any contribution that I could give was like my way of going, okay, I can help her. This is, this is what I could do to help the situation. But we got into this conversation about family because it does play a big part in her journey and our journey and sort of where we are together because um, there's three of us here still. and, and so, <laughs> um, what, like
2: you had said before, is some people don't have that. And exactly. I can't, I can't imagine how much more difficult it would have been without the support of not only you guys, but our extended family as well, you know, because it was like, it was... Uh, you guys were helping me and then your sister was helping you and you know, right. My was husband like, helping was helping me. Everybody was helping everybody. And it was trickling down the line, but it was
0: even like when we would get all of a sudden, one of the cousins was sending edible, arrangements? Was edible arrangements and every, gosh, I want to say monthly my sister was here with strawberries and mm-hmm. everyone, you know, every so often there was edible arrangements at our door. And it was just one of those things like, you know, we're here for you. We know we can't be there because we got germs and uh-huh. she's in the middle of chemotherapy. Right. But we're thinking about you guys. And that makes such a difference. And I don't care. It's still, to this day, we still think about strawberries and think about right. the baby. Because right. she
2: loved those. But I just wanted to take the time. And I know, I hope I've said it before. I think I have. But I just wanted to say thank you guys for helping. Oh. And, and to the what, extended, to the extended no family way. as well. Everybody's help yes. made a difference and i am eternally
1: grateful that's so sweet well we would do it all over again i think that's in a heartbeat the thing. that's so like when you? we talked about family guys you have no idea what you're getting into yes. with us <laughs> so we got into this conversation because we were talking about palliative care and i can't tell you exactly because i don't remember it was a very traumatic day christmas eve um but the family was together in a room and I don't remember the message for us to get there and I and it bothers me but it was something along the lines of okay we all need to talk to palliative care team get to the hospital so we can talk about this it was a
0: certain time huh we had like an appointment you guys it's gonna happen at this time
1: yeah like- and yeah so all of us get into this room And we all, it's like a conference room, but there's like tables in the middle throughout, but we're all sitting on the outside of the room because there were chairs, not at the tables, but at um, like around the perimeter of the room. And the two palliative care doctors come into that room and it's a male and a female and they both sit down and... Anxious. I'm already getting anxious, but I know that in that moment I was also very anxious. Like, what the fuck are they gonna tell us, right? Because we we knew she wasn't well. We knew that she wasn't improving either. Like, there was okay. What I thought this was gonna be. Okay, what's the next part of that roadmap? Because you
0: never give up hope. We yeah. didn't give up hope that there was still something else that we can do.
1: Yeah, there were options. Wasn't gonna be like the the conversation about she only had months to live. But that's what it was. Is they sat us in a room in the palliative care. Of the female doctor. And this is my recollection of what happened, so you can pop in whenever, but she starts to sugarcoat everything. We know she's not well. You guys have seen the treatments. You guys have seen her scans. You know she's not feeling well. And she's just being trying to be very gentle about it, which I appreciate. But it also really fucking pissed me off because I was like, just get to the fucking point. I know she's not well. Don't tell me she's not well. I know she's not well. Tell me what's next because at that point I think I was desperate. We you essentially knew
2: knew that you weren't going to get good news.
1: I, I probably deep down inside knew, but... Because she was sugarcoating it, like, I'm not one to sugarcoat. If you know anything about me, I'll tell you straight how it is, and it might hurt your feelings, and I'm sorry about that if I've ever done that. But it's not because I want to hurt your feelings, because I want to give you the truth. In this, she was sugarcoating, and it pissed me off. I was like, I had to interrupt her, and I was the only one that said something, but I know you were feeling it. I'm looking and pointing at mom. No, no,
0: I was speaking. I think we discussed this a little bit earlier I think she was a bitch. Hey, because we were Because we were asking questions. She was saying
2: things nice, but She was doing her
1: job. She was I professional. But she, she, was, she
0: was condescending. I didn't well, feel that. Well, I did because she was still trying to sugarcoat shit, even well, though we were telling her. I, we need to know. I respect
1: and, your position. I wouldn't agree that she was a bitch. I think she was doing her job. I get it. But we were in a place of desperation and she was giving us the opposite of what we wanted to hear. We weren't
0: kindergartners in
1: there. Yeah, well, anyway, so she's sugarcoating basically what we already know. That she's not well, she's been through this, you know, things haven't been progressing like we wanted to. And I interrupted her and I was like, can you just tell us? Can you just be straightforward with us? And I was really aggressive and I will apologize to her if she's listening and if she knows this is her... But Um, she, (laughs) she, I came at her and I was like, just fucking tell us what's going on. Just say it. Like, I know you're hiding something. Just say it. Just say it out loud.
0: I think I said, how much time does she have? At one point we asked. And you, and she was still trying to sugarcoat shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not like this is a surprise to you. And you said, just tell us, just Just say say it. it." And And that's what she said.
1: And yeah, and but it I was think like she said
0: it had a timeline on it. Or yeah, something said it had
1: a timeline on it. And and we were like, how she much said, is it? How yes, long does how she much. have to live? And she said six months. And this was Christmas Eve. Let me remind you, this is Christmas Eve.
2: And and I wasn't there.
1: No, you because guys- <laughs> you gave that job to her to do to tell us. But there was in that moment of hearing six months was the loudest but most silent gasp in the room it was like how every- many
2: people were in the room
1: 15
0: i think there had to be even more than that i think my sister was there i just don't remember yeah and because counting the other side of the family they think there was more than 15
1: there was there was all adults there were all no adults. kids You're right. So yeah maybe. yeah six months it and was she even
0: said this is the the biggest, biggest room group. the biggest <laughs> the biggest room the biggest family i've ever had to deal with yeah, yeah
1: they had no idea but That's that 6 that 6 months was unbelievable Just was it
0: was finite
1: it was a a huge gasp and it was incredibly difficult to hear anything after that i don't remember anything after that whatsoever but i just i it was unbelievable it was like i'm shaking talking about it now because it was Like, that was the end. Like, we had fought so hard. We, I didn't do much, but we fought so hard for that to be the final notice. was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You couldn't wait a week after Christmas Eve. We had been doing holidays in the hospital this whole time, and now you're saying that my holidays are now going to be filled with this pain? Are you fucking kidding me? It was horrible. But at that point in time... I went into overdrive and I'm like, I'm going to fucking live out the rest of her life with her. I'm sorry, mom. I'm moving in. (laughs) We're going to do this together. um, Because at that point, what else do you do? I had had no other, like, path for myself than to spend every last moment I could with her. And I'm sorry if I was intrusive, but not sorry, right? Like, I (laughs) needed, for my own sake, to be with her, to be with my sister, who's now going to lose her daughter in the most incredible way possible. That to me was like, I don't care, I have to give up my job, I have to move, I have to do this, I don't give a shit. I don't care if you're, you have feelings right now. Mine are most important, I have to be with this baby. So if you had dealt with me during that time and I was not nice, I will <laughs> apologize, but you have no idea what that's like to get those words, knowing there's nothing else that you can do. Nothing, absolutely nothing.
0: And they were right.
1: They were right. She, she ended up passing in May of 2015, May 20th. It was a Wednesday, and I don't know if you knew this, but I released our first episode on a Wednesday because I want Wednesdays to be the day to remember her. But those final six months were awful the the easiest way i can say or i can share about that experience is you get to watch a child die you get to watch her suffer because she would lose you know um function in other areas of her body she would she would sleep a lot she wouldn't want to eat she would eat minimally and throw it up it was very excruciating to watch a seven-year-old endure the worst and not being able to do anything about it.
0: But we did this together. You know, the biggest she, thing and is... she didn't complain. No.
2: She didn't. She would, I think her complaints were like, the medication's not working well enough right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to hurt, you know? But then, you know, we would dress it and fix it and she would be like, where are we going today? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That child was the light of all of us. She had just this energy, even throughout her journey, her cancel journey. She had this energy about her that you just couldn't like you didn't want to leave like she, you just she just kept pulling it, you in.
0: It, it was just love
1: it was she was full of love, one hundred percent
2: but and I think she also recognized how much we loved her I and mean, I hope she did. She would always say, what do you was your favorite thing to do?" <laughs> <laughs> Spending time with my family. (laughs) And that would always be the answer.
1: Yeah. What was really scary at the end was the amount of pain. It was, she would get, um, she would have pain medication. She would have the patches, the fentanyl patches. And any time, like, you hear of people that are addicted to and they have a dependency on fentanyl, I just, it blows my mind because it's like this seven-year-old was on like a full patch of fentanyl.
2: She was definitely going up on yeah. strength.
1: And this week. is a seven-year-old, you guys. So if that says anything to the amount of pain that she was in at the end of her life, like I can't like when when I watch those like intervention shows and they are ta- uh, addicted to fentanyl, uh-huh. it just it's a trigger for me because yes. I know that that must have meant she was in so much fucking pain. I can't even. So the day, the day she passed away was traumatic. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Okay. So she, when she passed on a Wednesday, um, I remember I had been working from home, but I was already lined up to work closer to where my mom lives so I can live with my mom and be here for support knowing that her life was coming to an end. I was working from home, I was on a computer and every morning Jess would bring the baby down and sit her on the couch and they would watch some Disney show, whatever it was on. Hey Jesse, um, good luck Charlie. Is that the right show? Uh-huh. Oh, God. Um and so dog with the blog. Yeah, <laughs> that one too. And um so she brought her down and I was on some meetings, on some calls, no big thing. But that morning she started to make some funny noises and i was sitting right next to her and i didn't even think anything of it i didn't look i was busy with work my head was on my com- like down in the computer and jess was in the kitchen but she heard them and came around and checked on her and noticed that her body had tensed up did you immediately know what was going
2: on i knew it wasn't good i knew she needed help i knew for sure i didn't know what the heck i was doing you know and so for me it was right away okay Who do i call because we're supposed to have you know the hospice team that was supposed to come because they
1: were already visiting they already they all had they had their appointments to come to the house on certain days and chuck on her and give her whatever medication to be to keep her comfortable so that day, we had some medication on hand, but it wasn't the medication that we needed. That medication was lined up for her. Mom, that morning, was not at home because she was getting the remainder of the medication that she, they so put her on.
0: That's another story in itself. Yeah. So they talked about her possibly getting seizures. And so they had said we can start her on some seizure medication if you wanted to, or have it on hand Because or
1: the Because they were expecting the tumors in her spine to f- either metastasize or move the, to her happened. brain.
2: They had yeah. already found had already her happened last happened. scans had shown that she had some. Oh, okay. shit. So
0: I remember on Monday asking... You know, do you want me to go pick up the medication? And you, you said no, we have an appointment later on or something, so we'll pick it up then. And then Tuesday, there was something else that happened on Tuesday. But Wednesday morning, I said, "Let me have her card because I had her card, her
1: medical card, medical
0: card, so that I can go pick up the medication." And when you, I went, when you left. Yeah, so I left to go pick up that medication that Four Wednesday teachers, morning. That mm-hmm. Wednesday morning, and that's I showed team. up at the at the pharmacy, and they said whatever you're asking for is not on her chart. And at that point, I was already getting a phone call from you
2: Mm -hmm. saying, where are you? Mm -hmm.
1: Because with her body tensing up, she did have a seizure. She was seizing that morning.
2: Well, the first thing that I was trying to do was I was going to start making phone calls, right? And so I tried to pick her up, and then I was like, okay, no, I need to put her down because I don't know what's going on. I need to call. And when I put her down, she grabbed onto my arm, and she said, no, no, don't call mom. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I need to stay right here. But I was, of course, like you said, in a panic. I didn't know how to solve the problem. And I was just like, she, she loves being outside, so I'm going to take her outside. See if that helps just change her environment something. And I'm sure I put a whole lot of pressure on you. But I was <laughs> like, Jack, I need your help. I need you to call this place. I need you to call that place. We need to figure out how to... Save her, cause for me, I just felt panic, cause I was like, she needs a doctor like right now, yeah. and I there's no doctor here, and her hospice is gonna take how much time to get here, right. you know, and like is she dying right now, you know, is is this the moment that this is gonna happen? I don't, I'm not ready, you know, so I was like, I tried to stay as calm as I could at that moment. I don't remember you were at that moment, you, but I was did just it. like.
1: You didn't. One, two,
2: and I. three, four, please get these things done. Yeah,
1: you gave me your phone and you said, call this person, call this person, call this person. And I did. And I don't know how I did. I can tell you I did it and I did it with a straight face and everything was quote unquote fine. But I know it wasn't fine, but I like subconsciously, I think I was only keeping it together so that I can do what you told me to do.
2: Right, and I was only keeping it together to make sure it was going to be okay.
1: Yeah, and we got on the phone with hospice and that was one of the phone calls and they came and but while on the phone I was trying to describe her symptoms and they they told me to give her some medication I can't remember what it was and I had watched Jessica give her medication for the whole entire cancer journey, and I fucked it up because I was trying... She's like, crush it and do this and put the juice in it and do this and do this and the syringe and na na da 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 I fucked it up. I, get, I put, like, way too much juice in there versus a little bit of concentrated juice. <laughs> and so I knew, like, oh, fuck. I, clearly out of my mind, but I just remember attempting... My husband was in the kitchen trying to, like you got this, you got this, you know, do it. What can I do? He was helping too. But I remember trying to crush up some medication to have her. I don't know what medication it was, but it was supposed to help with, with it. And I don't even know if it it wasn't even seizure medication because you were still trying to get it. it. Yeah. said it
0: wasn't there. You called and I can hear the panic in your voice, but you didn't tell me what was going on. You just said, let me call you back. So I, I don't remember any of that. I called the hospital and I said, Hey, there's no medication here for her. There's no. There's none on her chart, so it doesn't say that. And we need to pick up that seizure medication. And she, she took a while because she said, the doctor is actually in surgery, so we have to have the doctor write this up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, can you just do what you can and let me know because I'm here at the pharmacy already. And it just happened so fast because... It did.
1: It was like... It felt like a year right now talking about it. It felt like a year that I was dealing with that. But in those moments, it was so fast. It was. It so was fast. so incredibly fast. And I remember calling you. I think I remember having to call you back. But when I called you back and I told you what was going on, I remember you screaming on the phone. I can't remember what you said, but you screamed. And it, and it frightened me because you were helpless. You were far away. And this was happening right now and there was nothing you can do and you were just frightened and i was dying inside because i knew there was nothing i could do either but jess i can't imagine what was going through her brain she's sitting with her daughter outside there's nobody here that can take care of her the way she needs being taken care of, because it's out of our control at this point. We didn't have the resources at home. Like Hospice should have been living with us at the time right. so that they can know what to do. But the moment that the hospice care nurse on the phone was like, it sounds like she's having a seizure, I remember hanging up that phone call and losing it. But right before that, I was okay. I was like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to call. I need to, mom, whatever I need to do. Cool, just Okay, we're good. But when she said seizure, I... I lost it. I I let all of it go because it was I couldn't put it anywhere anymore. It was so it was held so close that this wasn't going to be serious. This the hope was still there that like we can come out of this. And when she said seizure, I was like, oh, this is nothing ever comes good after having a seizure. Is there gonna be brain trauma? Is there gonna be all this other stuff, right? It was just for me just looking downhill. And Hospice finally gets there and I remember (laughs) this will be a future episode of stupid shit that people say she was very paperwork heavy. And, hey, you need to do this. You need to sign this document for her to be released to the hospital because technically she's under hospi- hospice care. Oh, because
2: we were heading out the door to take her right. to the hospital, right? Exactly. So like, you were packing wait. up. Yeah, you were packing we were like, things up. Because we like, do you up. have the medication? And she was like, I don't have the medication. Okay, so I bye. Was like, okay. Yeah,
1: got to go. So you were on your way out, and she was like, well, I need you to sign these documents. And I was like, she's going to go. I'm telling the hospice nurse about my sister. She's going to go. I'll sign whatever the fuck you need me to sign. Just I'll sign it for her on her behalf. We're going to do... You... Just go. Just don't even worry about this. I'll take care of this. And if it was going to be a fucking physical fight over a damn piece of paper, whatever. Right? Just get to the hospital. Get the care she needs. Go ahead. I don't
0: think we even knew that that was a choice. I didn't know that at any time you... Could, if you decide that you want the hospital back instead of being on... Because it was a choice to be on palliative care in hospice. Yeah. And if you would rather just do like, you know, go to the hospital like they did. It's just a piece of paper you had to sign. But we didn't know. So no. when they came at you it with was a piece a of paper, block. you're like, what the yeah. fuck am I? What um, is no. this? Yeah. You,
1: you're saying right now I need to sign this. this. Signing this paper was a priority over getting this kid yes. cared at the hospital. Yes. Oh, god yes. it. it. was cool. just a matter of, yeah, yeah, no. So that pissed me off because I was like, because I, I mean... I for, I forgive all of these people but at the moment you know in looking hindsight it, it pissed me off because I was like you're really going to try to hold them up from going to the hospital for a piece of paper well get out of here
2: and to be honest too I think it was probably a bigger reflection on maybe the type of insurance that she had you know because was it an option that we could have had a different insurance and had a nurse there 24 7 at this time know
1: yeah. but we, I, I, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. But like in it, it was it was almost stupid that she was pushing that we sign some fucking piece of paper. Like it was just dumb. Probably part of process. I'm I right. respect the process, guys. I'm a rule follower. But in that moment, it was like that. That was but the least of my priorities. Of the, yeah. yeah, that that's
0: probably the was the reason why they were able to accept her at the hospital. Is because you had signed that piece of paper. Well,
1: great. Mm-hmm. Then I did my job. Yeah. But it didn't stop her from heading down.
0: No. So and I think telling them too, we signed a piece of paper that said we're going back to the hospital. I don't even know if that was I don't know, yeah, I think I just released anything. them from
2: liability. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's it. That's all it did. You're right.
1: But I remember after that, knowing I'd have to go pick up your oldest from school and me having to be the one to tell him that his sister was back in the hospital i sat him on the curb outside of school the school was aware that you know she was under care and that at times we would have to pick up her brother to make sure that he's with her during whatever you know with the family and so i picked him up and i sat him on the curb and i told him you know hey your sister's back in the hospital and he asked me you know is she okay and i go well you know she's She had a seizure this morning, but she's at the hospital. She's going to be taken care of, whatever they need to do to help her. you know. He was
0: sick, though, right? He wasn't feeling good.
1: I don't think, yeah. I think he had something symptomatic where we didn't want to take him to the hospital, knowing she was going to be in emergency, and he couldn't probably come in anyway. Mm -hmm. So I brought him home, and at that point in time, it was just another hospital trip, and I had texted, I think, my sister, and just saying, you know, hey, do you need me to bring you anything? Do you need me to pack you a bag? And I never got a response, but we sat here for a little bit and it was almost like felt maybe like a half hour later where I got a text message. Okay, can you bring him to the hospital? And then, okay, while I'm at it, do you need a bag? Like to me, it was still logistical. Do you need me while I'm here? Do you need me to grab anything? And it was like, no, just get him here. And I was like, okay, so we're going. So we pack up and we start down the freeway and every so often I would get another, where are you? You know, how far away are you? All this, all these messages of um, emergency. And I'm like, we're on our way, you know, like uh, traffic in LA and San Bernardino area is is not great. So it was, you know, almost, I think at the end of the day too. So it was rush hour traffic and I'm getting down there and I drop him off. And I think you were already there because you were trying to get the medication there. So you were waiting for us to arrive Mm -hmm. and you go back into the room, but they don't let you in the room. They just let him in the room. And so I'm in the waiting room. Um, family starts showing up because this was like a routine thing for us once I she's in the at hospital the door. I oh yeah, at the door but when she goes to the hospital, it's like all the masses you know um come together wherever she is, and we we're there for support this whole family thing like you'll you'll get just glimpses of what it is, but it's pretty it's pretty great um but we get to the hospital, and I'm just waiting in the waiting room, and I don't know if you want to talk about what was going on when. It was that journey for me down to the hospital.
2: Yeah, so we had checked her in. When she was in, they sort of started her on fluids, and she stopped seizing, so she was doing better, but she was kind of like just super tired, right, and so she wasn't saying a whole lot, but she was at least comfortable, and I was there for a while, and I guess it must have been lunchtime once uh, mom got there. And she's like, do you want to go grab some In-N-Out? <laughs> and I was like...
1: In-N-Out's right near the hospital, too. So I'm that like, was easy. <laughs>
2: yeah. I was like, okay, she's she seems to be doing fine right now. So, yeah, let's go grab something to eat real quick. And then I'll come back and we'll figure out, you know... Because they were saying they are going to transfer her. There was somebody her. in the room with her. So, yeah. Maybe, yeah. And so they were going to transfer her, you know, upstairs to just keep an eye on her and then release her the next day. And so I was like, okay, that's fine so I went to go grab some food and it was of course real close by by the time I came back and I saw her she looked significantly different Hmm. so when I had left she was like sleeping when I came back she was like she had just gone for a jog and then got into bed and was laying down and so she was like (sighs) heavier breathing Mm -hmm. and I was like what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, I was angry, <laughs> you know? I was like, she was fine when I left? I'm back here and she's breathing like this. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. You know? And they couldn't tell me. And I was like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I didn't know what it was. All I knew was that she had... IV fluids going, and I was like, stop the IVs. I don't care what it is, but something changed from what I left to now, and she's not looking good. And I stayed with her, and she was breathing heavier. And I got into bed with her. She called for her brother. But that's all she said. She wasn't in any pain. She just kept breathing heavy. And I could hear her heartbeat on the monitor. And it was going faster and faster. And then I started hearing it to go slower and slower. Until I know it was going to a... A pace that I know was too slow for what she should be having. But I was holding on to her. And she took a big breath, like as if she had just finished, like, some push-ups or something. Like, Like, relaxed, you know, I'm done. And that was her last breath. And her heart was still beating after she took her last breath, but then it stopped. At that point, I know that her heart was on a monitor outside of the room too. So a nurse came in and asked if we had wanted to start CPR for her. But we had already signed the paper to not do that because we knew what her diagnosis was. And all I did was hold her and cry. It was just me holding her, you know. It was just me and her. And I definitely felt like at that time I needed some support, you know, but you guys were outside and not even aware of what was happening in the room, you know. But I think it was maybe. Five minutes later they must have told the doctors, you know, what had happened and one of her oncology doctors, which she does not, or at least I'm not aware of, she doesn't work in the emergency room, so I know she must have come from the building where she was at, and she she came to the room, and she hugged me, and, and she'll probably never know how much, you know, that meant to me because of just how much I needed support, you know, at that time, but she came in, and she hugged us, and, Just shared in that moment with us. And it was actually after that that we had called for her brother. So you weren't aware at the time that she had already passed. But we knew that he had to be there. And we needed him to get there quick without telling everybody what had happened, you know. And that was hard too because, again, I was in that same space of how do I I say this? How do you say that she passed away? Her brother came in and I let him know, you know, buddy, your sister she passed away, and he cried and he held her. I know I cried and I was just. I think in that moment, you know, your my greatest fears became a reality, and I was. For sure, just lost. Didn't want this life, you know. I didn't want to be a mom whose daughter passed away. I didn't want to have to figure out how I was going to live the rest of my life without her alive. It didn't, I just didn't want that life. And I would have done anything to change it. And I I think in that moment as well, I just, I felt like the biggest failure. I felt like I failed her. I felt like it was my job to save her, and I failed. (laughs) Whatever decisions I made, whatever decisions that were made, they were clearly the wrong ones, because it didn't end up the way it was supposed to. Once her brother got there I had to put it all away because I was still a mom and he was still gonna need support and if I couldn't figure out how to keep going how would I expect that anybody else would you know so once he was there I kind of feel like I flipped the switch and just did what I had to do And I don't even know what I said, but I was like, people need to know that this is what's happened now. And I think I just sent a text message because I was like, I'm not going to be able to tell somebody face-to-face and not break down. And I don't want to do that in front of my son. Even though it's okay to, and even though we still cried together, I didn't want him to see the depth of the pain that I was actually in. After that, they... Transported us to a bigger room upstairs, so that we could have family come to see her and that 's what happened with that so i don 't know if you had suspected of why we were asking for Big brother to come none but
1: absolutely none i don't i i can't even tell you what I was thinking. I think I was just mostly concerned with her seizing and what the ramifications of that were going to be. But I do remember that we were all in the waiting room and you sent a text message and I think I was the only one to get it. And I read it in the waiting room and everyone was in there. Most of the family was in there. And I and I, and I read it.
0: I remember you speaking mom and I went to you and you read it and I was like,
1: and I ran, I ran out of the hospital because I wanted to scream, I wanted to hit somebody and I wanted to do something violent because at that point I didn't know what else to do <laughs> because we had done everything to keep her alive and then in a moment, moment's notice she's gone and it was it was a lot to bear, it was a lot to read but she said, just texted it so eloquently, just like, you know, she went to be with heaven. She's no longer in pain. And I just, mom, because you didn't get it. And you were like, what? And I said, she's gone. What do you mean? And you, I handed you my phone and then I ran out the hospital. And I know that people were looking at me funny. And it was a, this commotion in the waiting room and everybody just went outside And just waited and just, like, I remember almost throwing up because I was crying so hard that I didn't, like, I I wanted everything to just come out because in me releasing this anger and this pain and the tears wasn't enough. And so I wanted to just excrete everything from myself. My spirit was gone anyway. So it was just, like, leaving everything out. We just, I remember hugging outside. I remember just trying to... Compose myself to because I mean what was what was there left to do? It was almost like what what do I do now what Because my life had been surrounded with trying to keep, take care of my sister and the kids and what now what do I do now?
0: we were in the w- waiting room before you were asked to go pick up your brother, and I was just on the other side of that wall, and I couldn't go in there and check on my daughter. And when I heard what had happened, the only thing, when you said what you said, I kept saying, I need to get in there. I need to make sure that my daughter's okay. And I know that she wasn't getting any support in there. And I wanted to be in there so that she didn't feel alone. It just, to me, it was like, I lost my baby, but I need to make sure that my baby's okay, too. And we, I didn't want to leave. Even though my husband's there, like, okay, what do you want us to do? I'm like, I need to make sure that she's okay. I'm not leaving here until I can see. Jess, I'm not leaving here until I can see her. But we were moving. She
1: had, at that point, been moved to another room. We were able to go up there and see her. And I remember just going into the room. And Jess was laying with her, and she was still in her regular clothes, but lifeless but she looked tired. But I remember, I want to say that those hospital hallways had so much memories, bad and good. And I, like, I remember one time her being in the hospital and trying to keep her energy up or keep her lively and make her happy and make her laugh. And I was, we were, somebody was pushing her in her wheelchair around the hallways. And I remember sneaking behind some counters and stuff and popping out and pretending to shoot her and she would shoot me first and I'd go oh you know and I'd fall behind like she got me first but we were just these games in these hallways but these those hallways now have another meaning another memory that I I hate and so going back to that hospital is traumatic for me, like I I get the PTSD going, going there, so I try not to, (laughs) but I try to avoid at this point having to relive, which I'm so grateful for you guys to relive this, Uh, because clearly it's, the pain isn't going away, but I feel like talking about it with you guys, and you know, doing this with you helps heal just even a little bit,
2: yeah, it's hard, but but I feel like we're also not the only family that's had to deal with it, you know. And if it could help somebody to feel like that they're not alone, I feel like it's a good thing. So I think
1: it's appropriate to end this episode here and come back and start talking about how we're taking another step forward every day in this journey because it doesn't it didn't end when her life ended it only began and so um we'll start to explore sort of how we've been able to get up every day (laughs) and continue in this pain but I'm so incredibly appreciative of you both, I love you both, and I know this was hard today.
2: Love you too.
1: Love you. Why did your voice elevate? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know.
1: Um, but it just—it's a testament to, you know, having support around you is incredibly important. And know that you know, if you might not have or be fortunate to have the people like I have in your family, know that we're here for you guys. And know that, you know, what we're sharing is is our form of um, distant support for you. And so um, I'll wrap up this episode. Again, just thanking you both for sharing your can- childhood cancer grief journey with our Griefist community. We will continue with the grief journey with you on the next one. But thank you.
0: Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.